Welcome along to the Brains of Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lauren Snell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm delighted to welcome to this episode of Brains of Business, Brain for Life, Dr. Frank Pegger. Dr. Pegger is a technical officer in the Environment, Climate Change and Health Department at the World Health Organization, the WHO, in Geneva, Switzerland. As an epidemiologist and health economist, he is passionate about producing innovative and high quality evidence and policy that can be used to improve workers' health. He is World Health Organization's responsible officer for the WHO International Labor Organization Joint Estimates of the Work-Related Burden of Disease and Injury which includes coordinating contributions from 200 individuals in 35 countries. Before rejoining the WHO in 2015, Dr. Pega worked for 15 years in health research and policy roles in international organizations, national governments, and universities in the Americas, Europe, and the Western Pacific. He holds a PhD and postdoctoral fellowship in epidemiology and health economics from the University of Otago in New Zealand. He's published 45 articles in leading academic journals and received several international awards, including a Fulbright Fellowship at Harvard University. Frank, you are very welcome. Thank you so much, Laurie. Lovely well, to be with you. It's great to have you here because I'm really keen to talk about a particular piece of research that you recently completed with some colleagues into the impact of long working hours on a range of health outcomes. Could we perhaps start um, by you telling us a little bit about the background to your research? Sure. So um, this research that you're talking about, uh, Laurie, is uh, really in the spirit of the Sustainable Development Goals. So um, this is a partnership between the World Health Organization and the International Labor Organization that really seeks to uh, improve partnerships for development and uh, increase policy coherence uh, across the world. And in, in, this, in this regard, the World Health Organization and the International Labor Organization, we're trying to harmonize our data and methods to produce a set of estimates for how many people die as a result of uh, being exposed to occupational risk factors. And these estimates, you've referred to them already, are the WHO-ILO joint estimates of the work-related burden of disease and injury. And as part of this um, uh, quite ongoing project, we've been harmonizing our data and methods for the last five years, we have essentially sought to establish one joint set of uh, these burden of disease estimates for which we did not have previous estimates at either of the two UN organizations that are responsible for health and labor. And what we did here is we uh, initially identified long working hours as one of these new, relatively new occupation risk factors of interest for which we could consider uh, if there was enough evidence to produce estimates. And we then went ahead and worked with uh, approximately 60 professors from around the world to systematically review and, and pool all available evidence and data that we could find on the effect that long working hours have on ischemic heart disease, strokes, or two cardiovascular diseases, and then also to mental health outcomes on alcohol use disorder and depression. And we also, uh, went on a huge enterprise to build databases which have over 2,300 surveys in them from 154 countries on uh, the number of hours that people work so that we could uh, estimate how many people 
work along uh, globally. And eventually we could put these pieces or the, the research that we conducted with the professors and then our own database uh, building, we could put this together to estimate the number of deaths from cardiovascular diseases, uh, chemical disease and stroke specifically, that we can attribute with confidence to exposure to long working hours. So this was really a huge global uh, UN interagency effort that has taken us five years to complete. Okay, it sounds like a huge piece of work that was uh, undertaken. When you when you talk about long working hours and long hours, what what does that mean? Is it say you know above what the European Union might say is is the normal working hours that someone should work? Is it above fifty? Is it above forty? What what is it? Really good question because many uh, different countries uh, define long working hours differently. But really what we talk about here is working 55 hours or more per week, right? And this is more so than a legal category that you had in mind, for example, with regards to the European Union, where it's 48 hours per week that shouldn't be crossed, according to their legislation. Here we're talking about uh, how epidemiologists, how health researchers uh, define the world. And uh, this is really here in regards to 55 hours or more per week. In, in epidemiological studies, that seek to quantify how much uh, long working hours impact different health outcomes. 55 hours or more per week is, is, horrific, is commonly the largest um, and highest exposure category for long working hours. So really, that's what we're talking about here, 55 hours or more per week. And if we take that 55 hour cutoff that you mentioned, is working long hours a, a, a widespread problem or, or is it just say, say something you know typical of, of, of developed western countries with stress and pressure or perhaps the opposite is it widespread it's ex it's surprisingly widespread right so uh, our estimates suggest so these are the estimates official estimates of the world health organization jointly with the international labor organization that about one in ten people globally work 55 hours or more per week Right. This also includes uh, every citizen. So this also includes young people and uh, and older people. So it's actually a huge proportion of the working age population that is exposed to working 55 hours or more per week. And surprisingly, uh, I picked up in your in your question that you assumed that perhaps high income countries would carry a larger burden in terms of exposure mm. to long working hours. But that's actually not the case. The opposite is surprisingly the case. Okay. So what our estimates showed, and these are based on these 2,300 surveys from 154 countries, almost all of these are produced by national statistics offices in these countries. What they showed is that people in the Western Pacific and Southeast Asia are much more commonly working long hours than people in, in for example, Europe and North America, where there we basically find the lowest rates at which people work long hours. So it's, it's, it is a north-south divide, similar to what you, what you said, but it's the opposite trend, where by basically the global south seems to be uh, working longer hours than the global north. And there is this divide between low and middle income countries working longer hours than, than high income countries, very crudely spoken. What we can see also is that, um, and this might maybe explain the puzzle that you that you presented in the beginning we we can see that there might be a relationship between the laws and regulations that are in place that um, limit working hours 
by through maximum limits, right? You've referred to the European Union before, these 48 hours. We can see where these laws, uh, policies, and, and regulations are in place and are enforced that numbers of hours worked generally seem to be lower, right? So we know that, for example, the European Union has the working time directive, which limits across all countries of the European Union, numbers of regular working hours to 48 uh, per week or less, right? So there seems to be some mapping to existing interventions that limit the numbers of working hours. So you're suggesting then that, you know, and we will come come later on in the discussion, I guess, to to specific interventions, but but for a first step that simply having some kind of legislative framework or policy framework does 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 help. And, and so that that working time directive does actually assist in that regard. It's definitely one of the explanations. Another explanation that we can think of are that there are different cultures with regards to long working hours. So we know that some in some countries, people might be uh, feel more comfortable working long working hours, or might feel um, more compelled. It might be more acceptable to work long working hours than in other countries of the world. And this might be also by regions. For example, it might be much more acceptable in the regions where we see high exposure, right? It might be much more common and also much more culturally acceptable uh, than in the regions where we see these frameworks in place and, and a different work culture around this. We might also have to consider the economies. We're talking about very different economies here. You've, you yourself have highlighted sort of the divide between high and low income economies here. And in many middle and low income economies, we have a large proportion of the workforce in what is called the informal sector. So these are people who don't have formal employment contracts. And unfortunately, what that means is that they're not protected by uh, the, the laws and regulations that govern people that do have employment contracts, that have a regular employment contract. So these people might be um, less likely, first of all, to earn uh, a good amount of money. So they might be what we sometimes call working poor. And they might be working in the informal economy where they're not protected by, by any regulations that may be in place. And that's, of course, sort of a toxic um, cocktail, if, if, you, if we can talk about it like this because this might lead to people being forced to work really long hours uh, simply for financial survival, right? Because they're not afforded these uh, protections. And surprisingly, perhaps, or maybe not so surprisingly, in many low and middle income countries, informal economy workers make the largest proportion of their economies. So they're often above 70% of all workers. And this might explain partially why we see in low and middle income countries, you know, a, a relatively higher proportion of people working long hours. It's interesting when you were talking about the regions there, you mentioned um, Southeast Asia, which I, I can intuitively kind of imagine what that is geographically. But Western Pacific, can you, can you just clarify which countries are included in that uh, area? Right. So you, you point out that the regions that we go by are basically the WHO way of dividing the world in geographic regions. The Western Pacific is a very diverse region. In the north, it stretches from, uh, from Mongolia and China, then over several um, countries that would be, um, uh, so for example, um, Thailand, I think, and um, Indonesia. And it also stretches down to Australia and New Zealand. So it's a very broad range of, of countries, including also the Pacific Islands. Okay, so, so very diverse. But, but if we, if we put, put that aside, based on your research and, and, and the findings of the study, 
what are the the impacts of long hours like what why, why should we be concerned about long hours essentially right okay so um let's say first that we found that there's sufficient evidence to indicate that uh, being exposed to long working hours uh, working long hours is uh, hazardous to human health with regards to cardiovascular diseases so uh, the 60 professors working away for five years to review evidence with us in, in pooled studies basically in the end found a large number of cohort studies so really established studies with many many uh, many ten thousands actually hundred thousands of participants and these indicated that we can be pretty certain that this body of evidence shows um, harmfulness of working long hours to ischemic heart disease and stroke. And because we have that strong uh, body of evidence, WHO and ILO were in the position to move forward and produce estimates on how many people we, um, we can attribute having died as a result of working long hours and then having a heart, what's called a heart attack, or maybe it's better to say an ischemic heart disease event, or a stroke event. And when we crunched these numbers, we were we crunched them again and again and again, because we found that this is a really large number. So it's 745,000 deaths occurred in, in the last year for which we estimated it, which was 2016, from ischemic heart disease and stroke because people had worked long uh, hours in the, in the decade before. And um, what we found there is that basically with this one study, uh, we established the largest occupational burden of disease for any specific risk factor that the World Health Organization uh, or the International Labor Organization had previously estimated. So a really, really um, revolutionary uh, result here in, in that long working hours previously completely unquantified uh, now emerged as this, this largest uh, risk factor. Um, what I should probably also say is that we didn't find sufficient evidence to uh, suggest that long working hours um, increase the risk of alcohol use disorder or depression. Um, so for these two outcomes, for mental health outcomes, we simply need additional evidence to know if long working hours also cause a burden of disease from these mental health outcomes. And what I should perhaps also mention, Laurie, is that uh, for our uh, death from cardiovascular disease, these uh, three quarters of a million uh, uh, death in 2016, there was a strong upward trend from our first year of estimation, which was 2000. So we found that, um, you know, it's, it appears that quite a few, uh, uh, about 20% more people died in 2016 as a result of working long hours then that was the case as estimated for the year 2000. So it seems to be an, an increasing trend. And do you, and I'm perhaps jumping to a point where, 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 where you as a researcher may, may not feel comfortable commenting, but we think about the, the, the additional pressures for long hours during the COVID pandemic. Do you, do you expect that that actually will have continued and possibly become worse over that time? Absolutely. So you might have seen that the Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros, uh, has actually commented on this. And he said that there's a major concern of our organization, of the World Health Organization, that with COVID and the, uh, the, the results of COVID, that we are seeing an increase in 
the number of people who work long hours, there were two potential pathways that uh, the director general um, postulated. One was that he said that we have teleworking quite commonly now. We know from several studies that teleworking seems to have increased the numbers of hours worked. I think many of us who've been in national lockdown and work from home have probably experienced this ourselves. So there seems to be this upper trend. And then also there's some uh, economic evidence which shows that when countries go in recession, and this of course is happening and has happened as a result of the COVID pandemic, that then because some people are being laid off, some other people have to compensate. And we can see that those people who are in work seem to be working long hour in a more competitive economy. So these two concerning upward trends were highlighted by the Director General of the World Health Organization. Okay, so it's, it's definitely there. If we go back to the, the, the numbers them, themselves, and, and obviously it's quite a, quite a shocking uh, number of, uh, of, of uh, deaths or mor mor mortalities, is it, do you believe, and maybe this is something that, that came out in research, is it a is it a causation or a correlation to go back to that sort of that that old uh, old, old chestnut you know is it the long working hours which is causing the deaths or are they simply you know because someone's working longer hours they're not able to get as much exercise and enough psychological downtime with friends family etc or is there a direct link okay that's a really good question and something that the scientists have very carefully looked at as have we uh, at the World Health Organization and the International Labor Organization, there are two pathways that have been theorized for a really long time for how long working hours get under the skin, or to be more precise, get to your brain and to your heart. One is uh, this direct pathway that you've talked about, right? So we know that uh, people, probably everybody has experienced this who has worked long hours. There's an increased level of stress, and that's also been measured. So we know that when people work long hours that their level of stress increases and stress has an, an, a physical effect on, on tissue, right? On, on the brain, on, on heart tissue, whereby it can cause uh, a stroke or an ischemic heart disease event. So this is a direct pathway. A second pathway is exactly as you have, have also outlined here. Scientists know from the existing uh, evidence that people who work long hours maybe engaging in, in some behaviors to compensate for, for the stress from these long hours. And this might be, for example, um, sleep deprivation. Right? And we know that sleep deprivation in itself might also increase the risk for cardiovascular disease. So in other words, uh, exposure to long working hours causes sleep deprivation and sleep deprivation then causes the, um, causes the cardiovascular disease event, right? Other than sleep deprivation, we've also uh, seen theorizing of increases in other health detrimental behaviors such as smoking. Um, and we've ourselves studied evidence on increases in, in alcohol use and there we haven't found anything, but, but you can see that these are the indirect pathways. So let me just be very clear. What we did with these estimates is trying to isolate exactly how many deaths can be attributed exactly to this one risk factor, which is occupation exposure to long working hours. And uh, there are very established methods that the World Health Organization established or developed in the 1990s together with Harvard University and the World Bank to quantify 
health loss. And these are the methods that um, we are applying here now 20 years later and uh, follow strictly to be able to say that these are attributable death, right? So we, we really try to isolate with our evidence and our data, just those deaths that we can be comfortable and confident uh, are due to exposure to long working hours. If, if, we, if we accept, which it obviously is, um, that this is a significant problem and, and you know, without necessarily going down the pathway, there, there's going to be huge social um, and, and personal cost from this. What should societies do, in, in, in your opinion, to deal with this situation? Is it, is it public policy? Is it you know, more countries bringing in their equivalent to the European Union's working time directive? Or, or is it actually something that individual employers uh, and individuals should look to manage? Okay, that's, that's a great question. Let's get to some actionable uh, solutions here. So first of all, what I'd like to highlight is that um, with this estimation exercise, we've shown that the health and the labor sector are holding hands to jointly address this problem, right? In the first place, through identifying it and quantifying the problem, but also the solutions are um, intersectoral, right? They require us in health and the World Health Organization to work together with labor and the International Labor Organization. And of course, that also needs to be the case uh, at country level and at regional level. So, and then also, Laura, you already highlighted that there are always three key players, right, in our tripartite system that is so, so dear to the labor sector. We always look at, uh, at least at the, global at the global level, but also nationally, at governments, at uh, workers, and at uh, the employers. So three different players, and all of them can participate in the following three solution five, four solutions that I would like to, uh, to outline. So first of all, it is to do with public policy, exactly as you said. So what we need now is agreement on maximum limits on working hours, right? I highlighted before that uh, governments can establish uh, uh, these limits, they can set limits by having laws and policies put in place, then implemented, then carefully monitored, and if necessary, enforced. And the positive example that I again would like to highlight is the European Working Hours Directive, which as you also mentioned before, sets a limit of 48 hours per week, right? So uh, substantially below the hazardous level that we've identified with our study of 55 hours plus. There are also some uh, emerging issues, right? Teleworking was something you, you sort of pointed at before and I, I also quickly discussed. There might be the need to have regulations around teleworking in a new working environment that we're finding ourselves in now, where we have more digitization and people are working from home. So we need to enable, uh, have policies and laws in place that enable disconnection from work so that we can rest and have personal time away from work time, even if we're working from home. With regards to these um, limits on long working hours, this is not something that only concerns governments. It clearly is also an agenda for employers and workers. And they can, for example, include these maximum limits for working time in collective and bilateral bargaining agreements. Right? So when they agree on how uh, the, the social contract of employment is to be arranged. And then it's clear that we can also uh, have all three stakeholders, governments, uh, workers and employers, jointly monitoring and enforcing these limits to make sure that they actually adhere to. Second solution, uh, it's clear that there are uh, ways of balancing 
uh, working time through specific arrangements. And there are several guidelines that the International Labour Organization has already prepared for how this can be done. In these guidelines, the International Labour Organization uh, clearly states that working regular, regularly long working hours should be clearly avoided to prevent cardiovascular diseases. So we know that this was already clear to some degree as, as a major problem. And um, in addition to regulating overtime, what we need to provide here in terms of flexible working time arrangements, we need to look at opportunities for shift work, for arranging flexi time, for arranging things like work sharing. So there are guidelines already ready to use for all three tripartite actors to apply. Then, Lori, as a third solution, let me point again to informal economy workers, right? So some of the most disadvantaged workers. We need to provide social protection floors for these workers. It's very clear now that if you are a worker who is in the informal economy and has no protection from those employment contracts offered to those in the formal economy, and if you have, uh, if you're basically working long hours but still on a, on a low wage, on a low income, that what would help to reduce long working hours is for you to have social protection in place. And to that regard, we will call for provision of social protection floors by governments for these disadvantaged workers. They include uh, not only informal economy workers, but also migrant workers might be disadvantaged and might have, might have to work long hours uh, to, to make ends meet financially. And also those who we generally refer to as the working poor. Okay, and fourth and final solution that we uh, can, can provide and can offer is to have basic occupational health services for all workers. Right? This way, governments can ensure what we refer to as universal health coverage for these workers with these essential services, and that can enable uh, occupational physicians to check in and regularly monitor how many hours workers work and take necessary corrective steps. Okay, so a number of a number of different options there, and, and what role in particular? I guess just as we're finishing up, what role in particular would you see that the, the WHO and the ILO should play in this? Is it further research? Is it directing policy? Is it guiding and advising? You know, WHO and ILO are the specialized agency of the United Nations for Health and Labour. So clearly, we jointly need to address. Uh, these issues further, we've taken a, a very crucial first step in jointly quantifying health loss from working hours for some health outcomes, right? We have to always keep in mind that we quantified a chemical heart disease, death from a chemical heart disease and stroke only, but there might be other health outcomes that we've missed. So there is exactly that additional uh, monitoring and research agenda that you've, you've talked about. So um, in addition to the monitoring we already do, we need to continue this and we need to then start regularly reporting on uh, these numbers of death and look at trends uh, so that we can provide analysis for policy uh, and, and action. Also, uh, as you mentioned, you know, governments and, and other stakeholders look to the two organizations for guidance. There are several ILO conventions on long working hours. Indeed, the first ever international convention of the International Labour Organization was on long working hours. This was over 100 years ago in 1919, when the International Labour Organization was just formed. So you can see that this was clear a long time ago that long working hours are a problem. But only now, over 100 years later, is it clear to us how much of a health hazard these long working hours are. So 
you know, these conventions need to be strengthened and, and probably more governments might, might be interested now in signing up to this range of conventions on long working hours. And then also the organizations play a key role in formulating uh, laws and regulations for, um, you know, putting maximum limits on working hours and also in shaping the occupational health services and labor inspection that are so crucially needed to reduce uh, working hours prevalence, long working hours prevalence in countries where they cause so much harm. And finally, of course, WHO and ILO provide guidelines for key interventions. So there's a whole research agenda to identify which of these interventions are really the best in the long run. Dr. Frank Pega of the World Health Organizations, thank you very much for your time and your insights. Thank you so much. A real pleasure to be with you and, and all the best. Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution share and share alike license.